I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. I, he's an atheist. He's an atheist and a drunk. Like, I'm Team Edwards, 100%. Hi, and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media from our shared childhood. My name is Amy, and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm Jenny, her older sister, born in 1974. Today we're going to look at Little House on the Prairie, and we're actually looking at episode five, if you're watching the series on Amazon or streaming service, and it's episode four, if you're looking at the more traditional episode listing on the Little House on the Prairie website. The title of the episode is Mr. Edwards' Homecoming. The description reads, while Charles is traveling in Mankato, he meets up with a drunken Mr. Edwards and encourages his longtime friend to return home with him to Walnut Grove. Isaiah adjusts quickly with the Ingalls, bunks in the barn, and even lands a job at the mill. Carolyn sets him up with the shy and reserved Grace Schneider. Ooh, here we go again with the widows, ripe for the plucking. <laughs> Keep Lock up your widows. So we open with what appears to be a city, and we realize that we are in Mankato, thanks to some obvious signage. And Charles is waiting for his order to be filled. He's walking around looking for a gift for his wife when all of a sudden a window smashes right in front of him. And Charles recognizes a slurring, belligerent Mr. Edwards screaming from inside the saloon. I mean, who hasn't been there and who doesn't have this friend? And who hasn't been this friend sometimes? <laughs> right. Especially in 2016. But I said he's blatantly insulting all of this men. And there is a room full of men. Yeah, I feel like 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 there would have been a throwdown here. Somebody would have done something. Instead, they're all staring around the way that Mary stood and watched Charles fall out of the tree. I mean, to be fair, it it's broad daylight. It could be oddly early and none of them are drunk. Like if this were at night, I feel like at like nine o'clock at night, there'd be a fight. But maybe it's like two in the afternoon. They're like, dude, you're not okay. Do you really think in these days that people waited till five o'clock? I, I don't know. Well, why else are they not kicking his ass? Just bad writing? Are we just going to say this is bad writing? Uh, yeah, we are. And okay. we're going to move on. All right. So Charles takes Mr. Edwards down to the local river and dips his head in it to sober him up. I would have kicked my friend's <laughs> ass if they did this to me. Could you imagine? There's a lot of dunking and drinking from dirty water sources Ugh, in this. God. I mean, to be fair, water was cleaner then. It was, but not, it still had like fish in it though. That's true. Which is gross. That's true. Edwards appears to immediately sober up. I know because he was like, <laughs> he had that like, I can't focus and I can't make words and I'm going to fall over. And then he's like having a totally coherent conversation. Like, that's not realistic, kids. No, you that's have not to how sleep drunk it works. off. There needs to be. Sleep. Oh, this, this is a 12 hour sleep off. Right. That this drunk. is the. You wake up in the morning and you're so ashamed you can't even, like, catch a glimpse of yourself <laughs> in your iPhone screen. He was blackout stupor, like, talking to Charles, barely can make words, and then he's, yeah, like, chatting it up. He like, even says, fine. I'd rather be drunk than drowned, and then asks Charles if he has any hair of the dog. Don't you need to wait until, like, you, you sober have to up be hung over. the dog? Then I was thinking, like, was it like an RX cocktail? Like, maybe he had some drugs going on there that they wore off more quickly. Like, I don't, 
I don't know how many problems he has, but it was totally unrealistic. And yeah, hair of the dog is for the next day when you want to like really not the, you know, I mean, I hear these things from people. Right. The, yeah. Like hair of the dog is, you know, I, I don't want to suffer from this hangover. So just right. give me some beer. Right. So Edwards explains to Charles that he was having a couple drinks and minding his own business <laughs> when two guys came in and started a fight with them. Charles explains that it looked the other way around from his point of view. And Edward says, well, they got me riled up. Don't try to, to reason with a drunk, Charles. <laughs> Come on. Right. Because we all know Charles is never drunk. Because right. he's the perfect husband. Charles invites Edwards to come to Walnut Grove. He says, Laura and Mary talk about you all the time, especially Laura. And she remembers when you promised you would come and see her. So Edwards agrees. And the two of them head to Walnut Grove. Well, they head to Walnut Grove. He throws Edwards in the back. In the back. And don't tell me he didn't vomit on that ride. There's no way he was not hurling off the side of that wagon. Which was my next note. Edwards is sleeping in the wagon. How is he not vomiting all over the place? Yeah, there's no way. He definitely did. I mean, have you seen how the wagon was jumping up and down as Charles is going down the road? Yeah, there's, there's no, no, no shocks in that thing. <laughs> okay, so they get to Walnut Grove and I love this. Mr. Edwards is like, I thought we were going to Walnut Grove. And Charles is like, we're here. This is Walnut Grove. And he goes, there's no saloon. Walnut Grove is a dry town, people. I never realized there was I no saloon. I didn't know that. I never realized. Hmm. Well, okay. So they park and a woman walks past them. And she could almost be Caroline if you were as drunk as Mr. Edwards was the night before. But she <laughs> sort of bears a striking resemblance to I mean, Caroline. like they all have the same hair. I don't know what that color is, though. It's like ashy gray blonde. It's like ash blonde. It's ash blonde. Yeah. So Edwards, because all he knows how to do is spit, apparently. Apparently. He has Edwards kind of problem. spits right in front of her and almost hits her. And she does the, like, the stop quick. Did she, did she flatten her apron? She was not wearing an apron, but I'm sure <laughs> Caroline flattened her apron across town when she knew this happened. So I wrote his disgrace because I couldn't remember. Yes. Okay. So we switch to the home front and Half Pint is sick. And Caroline tells her it's her tonsils. And I had a reaction to this. Like, I would be terrified if my kid got sick. And Doc okay. Baker was in charge of them. I mean, you mean you would be terrified if your kid got sick in 1874? Yes. Okay. Yes, because as so we then, see like, later, that has definitely happened. As we see later, shit happens. Well, I feel I wrote in big giant capital letters. They took out tonsils in eighteen seventy four. Like that feels dicey. I know. Anything and, before penicillin feels dicey to me. And Jenny, did you, you notice that die. Jack actually barked to alert the family that Charles and Edwards were coming down the driveway? I don't want to talk about him right now. <laughs> Caroline and Mary and Carrie are all very happy to see Mr. Edwards. Charles gets a little jealous that everyone's paying attention to Edwards and says, hey, don't I get a hug? And Caroline's like, oh, of course you do, and rubs his shoulders. Now, I, I, do, I was like, really, Carolyn? Like, now she's like, oh, my God, Mr. Edwards, it's so great to see I know. you. Like, I know. How do you, she went from zero to 60 pretty quickly. Well, he I gave, think she's just happy to see anyone. And he gave the kids, don't forget, a cup. Tin so, cups. You know. They're still using those. And but, my first thought also was, is tonsillitis contagious? Because like he's oh like, God, I have that in my, yes, I have that in my notes. We'll I mean, there. we Hold are on. in the middle of a pandemic. So that, that's first of mind, I feel like. We'll get there. Hold on. First, Caroline offers to unhitch the horses and tells the men to go in and surprise Laura, who's sick in bed. And as they are sneaking up to Laura's loft to surprise her, there's some real heavy-handed, curious music, like some Pink Panther shit. Did you notice this? Yeah. Like, yes. dum, yeah. Dum, 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 yeah. Dum, I feel like that gets used over and over again. Over and over. And then I wrote, why would you allow people to see your infected daughter? I guess Edwards doesn't get a, give a shit about getting sick. Well, it's funny because I wrote, I feel like... Laura, first of all, I feel like Laura heard all of this going on. There's no surprise here, although she then was suddenly asleep. 
but she's like super sweaty. And I wrote, oh my God, she's burning up with fever. And then literally Edwards freaked out about that like a second later. (laughs) So Edwards has a strange reaction to Laura being sick. He, he asked Charles, what are you doing for the fever? This child has a fever. And Charles is like, yo, dude, don't worry. Like little runs run fevers all the time. What's the problem? To Mr. Edwards' defense, like, I feel like running a high fever in 1874 was dicey. Like, I agree. You probably were going to die. I agree. So Laura's in good spirits and tells Edwards that she could fit, she could spit as far as he can. And she's been practicing. Gross. They need to lose this. They need to lose this little thread of the spitting. It needs yeah, to go it's, away. It's getting old. I'm bored with it. It's getting old and it's gross. So Charles shows Edwards to the barn, where apparently he'll be sleeping on some fresh hay. Gross. Edwards explains why he blew up earlier. It appears that he had once had a wife, and they had a daughter named Alice. And the daughter looked like Laura, and Laura reminds him of his own daughter. Ghost daughter. But they're both gone now, and Edwards says it was his fault, because he brought them smallpox And their claim was so far out in the woods that he couldn't get them to medical help. So basically he was triggered by Laura's fever. He was triggered and of course did not know how to express that. So in the moment he just reacted, blew up, and then typical fashion, calm down and explain yourself later. I mean, smallpox was a very serious, scary, terrifying thing, to be fair. Thank God we have a vaccine. Thank God... People took vaccines mm-hmm. and now it's gone. Because, like, Amy, you would not have survived before penicillin. Like, let's be real. When wow. Amy was a kid, she <laughs> would get – Amy would catch every bizarre disease. She got cat scratch fever, which is an actual disease. I did Not just that. a Ted Nugent song. I feel like you were behind that. Scarlatina? What no, the hell is that? No, I had the fifth disease. You had the fifth disease? You had, had scarlatina mono. too. Well, we know how you got that. Yeah. Over dinner that night, the Ingalls family badgers Edwards to stay in Walnut Grove. Like, it was weird. It was like, we're not taking no for an answer. You are just living here. Peer pressure, peer pressure. Smoke this joint. Drink this beer. (laughs) It was really weird. And then Caroline's trying to find out some info and is like, unless you have a commitment elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And Edwards laughs at the idea of commitment. And suddenly now he's going to live in Walnut Grove. He's like, a man just can't up and stay somewhere. And I wrote, "Uh, isn't that what the pioneers have been doing all along? I mean, I, I feel for him. Like he was just in a nice city and now he's like, oh, It's boring here. Do I have to stay here and there's no saloon? Where's the saloon? (laughs) Uh, Edward says that a man needs a place to stay and a job. And Charles tells him that he can stay with them and that Charles will get him a job at Hanson's. And Edward says, I don't want to impose on y'all, but I'm not one for having a steady job. Okay, so in how many more ways can Edwards tell these people that he is not reliable and does not want to stay there? Right. He just, I don't know. The kids all chime in and ask him to stay. And even Carrie opens her disgusting, torturous mouth (laughs) and utters, please stay. I think that's the way my closed captioning wasn't working. Laura chimes in from the balcony or from, what is that? A loft? Loft. She chimes in from the loft and we look up and we see that damn nemesis Jack. (laughs) Okay. I have a note on this. That is not the same dog. Oh, it's never the same dog. I feel like there's like five Jacks and it's okay. like whatever one they think, they just put a fluffy dog in. Because okay. I have Laura's upstairs with Jack, who is a completely different dog. Yeah, I think it's always a different dog. Uh-huh. So later that night, Charles and Caroline are lying in bed and in what looks to be like a kind of modern scene, Caroline is just chomping some popcorn I was delighted on this. I'm like, oh my God, like they're the least laziest people and they're sitting in bed eating popcorn. I feel so much better about doing that now. Yeah, I'm feeling better about my life. Charles is reading a book, not the Bible. Ooh. And Caroline says she's going to hook Edwards up with, quote, that widow Snyder. She says it'll be a whole new life for both of them. And Charles says, and I feel like this was unwarranted. Typical woman matchmaking and, I know. Ra- and wrong as usual. 
<laughs> she picked you, dude. Wow. Charles says <laughs> they're completely different. And Caroline tells him opposites attract. And Charles responds, I have always wondered why you went for a shy, sophisticated man like myself. And Caroline doesn't laugh. And then they zoom out. And then she goes, what'd you say? And then like 15 like, minutes later. And he's like, yeah. good night. And shuts the light off. I thought that was a weird scene. It was very out of character, I felt like. I didn't look up to see if Michael Landon is still directing at this point. He was, it was, yeah, I think so. Okay. We'll have to, to we'll, look. We'll confirm that, but I think I saw his name in the beginning. Yeah, let's confirm that now. Pause. All right, we're back, and it is confirmed Michael Landon did <laughs> direct this episode. I think he's just getting a little creative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the next morning, they're at Hanson's Lumber Mill, and Charles is trying to get Edwards a job. And Hanson says, sure, yeah, I can use someone with a strong back and a willingness to work. And Charles vouches for Mr. Edwards. And I wrote, wasn't this the man who just told them he doesn't like steady work at dinner the night before? And clearly has an alcohol problem. (laughs) So Edwards is immediately put back to work or put to work. Because all you got to do is vouch. My husband is a union carpenter and... You know, there's a lot of people who will do carpentry and think that, you know, oh, can you help me get in the union? You know, can you sponsor me to get in the union? Like this kind of system that they have. And Timmy's always like super selective about who he will vouch for. He would not have vouched for Mr. Edwards. I mean, Edwards literally has drunk eye. He's like got that like half closed drunk eye like all the time. You got to do some heavy drinking for that. Absolutely. So Edward sees Grace walking across town, raises his hat to her. She looks appalled. No apron, but she does the huff. And he's singing that song, that earworm song that I can't stop thinking about and I hate it. And he sings it this whole friggin' episode. He does. And I have no notes on that because I refuse to acknowledge it. (laughs) So, okay, this is another complaint I have just about the writing structure. We have another scene back at the house where Doc Baker's looking at Laura And Doc Baker says Laura's getting better and should be able to get out of bed and then hits his head on the loft. And like, that's it. And and I just couldn't figure out why would you put that scene there? It doesn't further the narrative. I didn't even comment on it. It's such a throwaway scene. It really was. It was weird. Okay. So back at the mill, Mr. Edwards takes a break to wash his face in the creek. His eyes fly wide open or what mom would call Friday guys. And he realizes there's a bottle of alcohol floating in the river. Like a whiskey jug. Yeah. Cue the precarious music. And Mr. Edwards rolls up his pant legs and like jumps in the river after the bottle of whiskey. Swimming after that whiskey. (laughs) Then he's bummed when the bottle is empty. So let's reveal. He was absolutely going to start drinking at work on the job. 100%. And did you see the saw that he's working around? Oh, yeah. This gets better. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like he could have cut a finger off easily. No question. Mm -hmm. He's bummed when the bottle's empty, but he fills it with water. And he starts. makes it easier. Absolutely. And first of all, we'll get into this. He starts to drink the water from the bottle. And Grace appears to be watching out the window (laughs) from across the street and is appalled. Because she thinks he's drinking on the job. And I have written down, like, to be clear, if there was whiskey in there, he 100% would be drinking on the job. Like, okay. it's not like right. he's he would never do that. That's just water. It's like he was disappointed there wasn't, like, moonshine or whiskey in there. Okay, so Mr. Edwards comes home and Laura runs to greet him. He has a gift for her. It's perfume. I was trying to think how I would feel if, like, Timmy's best friend Eugene or his friend Dave came home with perfume for samantha or penelope i, I think, mean i think i would pull a i don't want them around the kids anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is. but don't forget like it's like they didn't have a lot of things there wasn't a lot of options I guess. and didn't it come didn't it have something to do with miss beetle well yes i have that here okay. she asks him how'd you know this was my favorite and he says a little beetle told me laura's surprised they knows mrs beetle and my burning question is why does Laura's teacher know what her favorite perfume is? For, I mean, these people didn't have a lot to talk about. First of all, isn't it Miss Beetle? Yes. Sorry. Yes. 
Why doesn't Edward, like he was chatting with her, why isn't she a good match for him? I feel like she's a little more his type. Don't tell me that they're not doing something in school because she is teaching every grade because it's a one-room schoolhouse. So she is differentiating instruction to about seven different grade levels. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. Yeah. They're not sitting around talking about perfume. Lemon verbena, though, like I I always get like my my dishwashing liquid. No. Lemon verbena. Oh, I thought it was lavender. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How do you not know that? Jenny, you do realize, like, I don't even wear perfume. It's not about, it's a, that is, like, just an herbal scent. Like, I do not have perfume made from lemon verbena. I have, like, organic dishwashing liquid made from lemon verbena. Later that night, Paws playing the fiddle. And we have a weird close-up of Carolyn's porcelain doll, Jenny, that we saw in the pilot. And I saw the initials. Super weird. What? Like, I don't see. He does beautiful. He does beautiful, like all these beautiful floral designs on the beds and stuff. But like the mantle, which is like the center of the house and like he carves initials like it's graffiti. I don't understand his style. Carving the initials is cute unless you have the same initials. I mean, I feel like carving the initials like on the side of the house or on a tree nearby. Cute. Uh, Like this is your friggin mantle. I, I don't know. Maybe just put ingles there. Like oh, the- there you go. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I should redecorate this place. So I have a note here that, again, this is one of those throwaway scenes. Nothing happens. Don't they just play the fiddle to make us feel good, though? They just play the fiddle. <laughs> yeah. Laura does have a small voiceover where she says it's nice to have Mr. Edwards there. You know, whatever. That's it. We already knew that. We, we suspected that was true. So the next morning, Edwards is taking the kids to school. He's come in handy, I guess. Mm-hmm. And Caroline asked him if he could stop by the post office and get their mail on the way home. And Laura and Mary immediately <laughs> object and say, that's always our job. I imagine it was more Mary objecting. <laughs> whatever. Um, Caroline makes up some excuse and Mr. Edwards just agrees to it. And Edwards, once again, is skipping into town, and the music is like this buffoonery. Like, Like, it's just like this clown music whenever he's walking around. So Charles tells Caroline, you better not let those letters pile up the way they come pouring in, wink, wink. Because Grace works at the every month. Grace works at the post office. So this is- He knows what she's up to. This is the beginning of the setup. But what Caroline doesn't realize is that it's already happening Yeah, behind the scenes. After work, Edwards heads up to the post office and he asks for the Ingalls mail. And Grace is immediately suspicious. Are the girls sick? This is usually their job. What's going on? God, then These she... people cannot break out of their routines. So I'm of two minds on this scene. Because at first I was like, wow, just go with it, Grace. But then I'm like, do I want anyone just being able to pick up my mail? I think Grace takes her position a little too seriously. They all take her position seriously. Edwards later refers to her as like a marshal of the postal service or something. But you know, every like no, there's nothing going on in this town that everyone doesn't know about because of Hanson. <laughs> That's true. So like they know he's Hanson staying is with like them. The grandmother. Yeah, seriously. Hanson's yes. the grandma who sits out on the stoop and just writes totally everything is. down. So, like, they all know that he's staying with the Ingles. So, like, why would it be suspect if he's picking up their mail if he's staying at their house? Like, Well, and then Grace is very into privacy laws, right? (laughs) Yet, Edwards leaves and goes back over to the mill, takes his little whiskey jug out. (laughs) Now, keep in mind, this is, like, day two. Yep. Takes a drink of the bottle and walks away. And Grace runs over. So creepy and weird. And opens the bottle and smells it. Smells it. First of all, if that was full of whiskey or moonshine, that smell would knock you off your feet if you stuck your nose in there. So she doesn't smell anything. So guess what? Probably not alcohol. Well, Edward. Then she's like licking it. She's running her her finger finger around the rim. I would kill her. So Edwards catches her and says, would you like a cup, ma'am? Grace apologizes and Edward says... If you think I'm drinking, you'd be right more often than not. Or if you think I'm a drinking man, you'd be right more often than not. She says it's really none of her business. Yes. Ding. Ding. 
Well, and he says, you're right. Like, I thought Edwards handled this really well. Yeah, he said, I'd go along with that. He offers Grace a drink, and she seems excited. Like, this is two-day-old, dirty water from a a dirty jug. Yeah. And I have to say, uh, Timmy's good friend Dave is famous for his dirty jug. Let me tell you this. He does a lot of side work. They're both carpenters. And he does a lot of work, like, on weekends and stuff. He's always remodeling. He owns a bunch of uh, apartments. And we used to make fun of him because he would carry this gallon of water with him everywhere he went. And he would just use the same gallon and he would keep rinsing it out and putting new water in. But we began to call it Dave's Dirty Jug. And I feel like (laughs) I would rather die than to have taken a sip out of Dave's Dirty Jug, even though Dave's a clean person. Can you imagine what this jug is like? And and the water is coming from a creek, not a faucet. Right. And this is the woman who was appalled. That he spit onto the ground. Yeah. And now she's drinking out of a dirty jug. So then we have this little subplot, which I think is kind of funny, where Hanson comes in and interrupts them and he sees Grace drinking from the whiskey jug. He doesn't realize it's water, but Edwards doesn't correct him. (laughs) So like now we have this little subplot where Hanson is keeping an eye on Grace's drinking. But it's hilarious because Hanson says nothing about Edwards drinking on the job. This is all on the job. But like Hanson, I feel like he's the drama queen and is like, I'm just going to let this play out and like watch it. It is. And it's all all Hanson's time. It's all Hanson's time. Yeah. Okay. So I have in big capital letters, shirtless paw, shirtless paw. As soon as I saw this, I was like, this is going to be unbearable to talk to you about this scene. Like, what okay, randomly I, shirtless? I actually like, have some thoughts that you might not expect here. I was not happy with the shirtless scene. Okay. Like, there's just, I was like, okay. Like, it's not his physicality that makes him attractive to me, if that makes sense. I mean, that's not what you've said, but okay. And he has way too much bronzer on his body. (laughs) Like he's either doing fake tanning, tanning. I don't know what's happening, but he is bronzed up and he's wearing the suspenders over it. Just not a good look. And it's completely random. Like there's no reason for him to be shirtless in that scene. Like there's just no, it's just so super random. And he looks kind of like. Tell me if you agree with me here. His skin looks almost like baby perfect. I was not looking at it that closely, but I feel like, is it that hot really, Charles? Because like everyone else is wearing long sleeves and wool (laughs) and like you're, you're shirtless. But I so random. But I feel like if he were truly like an outdoorsman and outside all the time, he would be a little more rugged physically. Michael Landon is not rugged. Correct. So, like, yeah. it didn't jive with right. yeah. the image of Charles. So, I, I it did nothing for me. I was surprised to see it, but I wasn't really that excited or enamored. I just knew we would have to talk about it for at least five minutes, no matter what. <laughs> the suspenders remaining were an odd choice. I, I just excluded it from my notes. I don't even have anything about it. <laughs> I was hoping we would just glaze over this part. So cue the circus music. Edwards is coming home and he's literally jumping in the air and doing like the Gregory Hines, like the clicking of the heels Oh God! in the air. Is that Gregory Hines? I feel like probably not, but okay. Is he a tap dancer? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think so. Pause. We're back and I'm right. For one, once. The next day at church, Reverend Fire and Brimstone is preaching about excuses we use to drink. And I'm thinking, you're the excuse I would use to drink, Reverend Alden. Hanson is staring at Grace throughout the whole mass. (laughs) That is so funny. So then Carolyn invites Grace to dinner and tells her Mr. Edwards is looking forward to seeing her. And Grace shoots her down with no explanation. Basically like, thanks, but no thanks. Okay, so I have a question here. Where was Charles? And why is it suddenly okay that he doesn't have to go to church? Oh, that's right. Was he in church? No, he wasn't in church that time. No. Hmm. Does Caroline go home and do the Charles Angles? And-, and, and why wasn't Reverend Alden yelling at them again? I mean, instead he went with the teetotaler sermon, but. 
What's a teetotaler? He's always yelling. A teetotaler is somebody who doesn't drink. Oh, I never heard that term. I don't have an index card on that one. I was going to say, do you have an index card on it? I assumed you knew what that meant. Mm, You assume a lot. Okay, so at dinner that evening, Laura is saying the blessing and everyone is praying with her except for Edwards. He just sits there. And then he asks if they're having any company for dinner and Caroline says uh, Grace couldn't make it and he seems disappointed. So I like that they're starting to show that he's not praying. He's an atheist. He's an atheist and a drunk. Like, I'm Team Edwards, 100%. I think you are Edwards. (laughs) (laughs) I don't spit. That's true. Okay, so Charles asks the girls what they learned in Sunday school that day. And Mary pretends she has friends and clearly (laughs) makes up some names like Jane Applebaum and Susie Flower. Why do you think they're not real names? Nobody's friends with Mary. Okay. So they talk, Mary tells a fake story about some fake people passing notes and a fake girl getting jealous when she saw a boy pass a note to another fake girl. Suddenly Edwards gets an idea and it's a bad one. Well, Edwards is getting dating ideas from second graders. So that's, that's where we're at. Mary's not in second grade. No, Laura is though, ish. She's like seven. This is Is all Mary. So, you know, if Mary's given him this advice, it's bad. Well, I mean, Laura then chimes in and says, no, it was this person. Because, like, I guess Mary's all fake news because you don't believe in facts. So So later, Edwards takes Laura down by Plum Creek and asks her to help him write a note to himself. Because Edwards is illiterate. Oh, definitely. He can't write. Yeah. So I did. He can't read and write. So I did. I have an index card. I I was just curious as Mm -hmm. to like what the literacy rate looked like. Like, is that a common thing? It seems like everyone can read and write in Walnut Grove, or at least for the most part. So in 1870, 20% of all adults were illiterate. So that means 80% of people could read. I think that 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 was higher than I thought it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, By 1930, it was down to 4% were illiterate and less than 1% in 2020. Okay, so they, they write this note and then, well, he addresses the note to himself, but it's blank. And then he sprays it with the perfume. Um, Edwards flags down some dudes leaving town and they, they're clearly postal workers. They have a weird box in the back. It looks like they're the people who come into the little towns and get the mail to bring it to Mankato. So they give him the third degree. <laughs> When he tries to mail a letter to himself, like, I don't understand the problem here. Well, I used to mail like, letters could, to myself all the time. Well, they're like, you could walk down the street and deliver this. And like, can you imagine if these guys saw my life when I'm ordering Seamless from half a block away to get delivered? You're letting that slide that I used to mail letters to myself all the time? I mean, I, of course you did. <laughs> They give him the third degree and they, they like stop just short of calling him stupid. They're like, this is Walnut Grove. Why are you mailing a letter to Walnut Grove? And finally, Edwards has to be like, yo, dude, you're the post office. Do your job. Like, (laughs) fuck off. And so they take the letter and I'm thinking, there's no way they're going to do what he wants. But I guess they do because to my astonishment, later that week, Mr. Edwards has mail. And Grace delivers it, and he stands on her porch, and he's reading it, and it's blank. But he's Quote like, unquote reading it. Yeah, he's pretending it says all these interesting things, and he's smelling it. And she appears to get jealous. Like, holy shit, this worked. Well, I love how the look she gives him, I, you can see the, the wheels turning in her head and how she's going to change him. Like, she's already thinking about how she's going to change him. Oh, yeah. She's going to save him. Mm-hmm. The next day or later that day, I don't know, Grace is walking by Hanson's and Edwards again offers her a drink from his dirty water jug. And of course she accepts. Like, not only is this water dirty, but it's been sitting in the sun for like seven hours. He does put it under the wood so it's in the shade. But it's, I mean, how it's like a hundred thousand degrees, it looks like. During this exchange, Edward mentions that they're having pike for dinner. And Grace, her face lights up like, oh, I love Pike. And Edwards invites her to dinner without checking with Caroline first. No, but he, I felt like the explanation when he went through was pretty slick. I, I thought he so was too. pretty slick. He really does well. 
when he's put on the spot, right? Like he's quick on his feet. Yep. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. So Char- back at the homestead, Charles and Caroline are having a little discussion about how, oh, I guess this Grace and Edwards thing doesn't work. And then, of course, no warning from Jack. All of a sudden <laughs> they hear horses and they look and there's Edwards. Cue the circus music. And he has Grace with him now. And he's like, oh, look who I found. Look who I'm bringing to dinner. She has nice wheels. Like she, she has like a nice, wagon. a nice car. Yeah. So later that night, Paul's playing the fiddle outside and everyone is square dancing around the fire. The kids are watching from the window because God forbid we let them stay up past sunset. This, this totally reminded me of our camping trips when we were kids. Oh God. When we would be in the tent and like our parents who were young would be drunk. Like they, th- our parents and our aunt and uncle and like, they would all be like drunk at the campfire. Oh, and yeah. we would be in the tent, like trying to sleep during like a raging party. Of yeah, like, try people. to sleep. Next time you have a raging party, just excuse <laughs> yourself to an interior room and just try to close your eyes and catch a little Z. Yeah. No, not happening. That was our life. So later that night, Grace, Edwards walks Grace home or brings her home and he stables her horses for her. So now he's going to walk home, which again, two miles, maybe we, we think we have, not. we think we it's know. about to. Grace does a little bit of prying to find out if he has any other family or any other commitments. And Edwards asks her to go on a date. He asks her to go fishing. Well, and he seemed a little shocked that he's like, well, why would I have other commitments? Well, the the romantic letter that you got the other day would be the thing that cued her in on that. Right. The thing that smelled like perfume that yeah. you were like practically jacking <laughs> off to. Because he, like, totally, he totally forgot about that because it was fake, right? Yeah, and yeah, then he's yeah. like, why would you think that? Yeah. <laughs> Gaslight a little bit. So I wrote, the next day they go on a date and Laura's with them. Because, of course... Laura is not only on their date, but spills the beans that Edward wrote himself a letter and put the perfume on it. Yep, busted. Edwards explains to Grace that he got the idea from Mary's imaginary friends. <laughs> they're not imaginary. They're fucking imaginary. It's like Heather. Heather, like she looked out the it's window. It's not Heather. It's Heather Grass and um, Tony Horse. Okay, because you're so obviously, you are so obviously versed in names from the 1870s. It just sounded like it was fake. And I can't imagine anyone genuinely liking Mary. So, All right. So Grace says she's not mad and she rubs his hand and smiles and says, not in the slightest. Because this crazy nut job is doing this for me. Because when you lie to me, it tells me you love me. Okay. Grace and Edwards in the next scene are having coffee at her house. And a little bit of time has passed. Um, They refer to the fact that they've been seeing each other for two weeks. So it's evening and he invites her to go fishing again. And she's super excited. He wants to go on Sunday and she's resistant because of church. And they have this little back and forth like, let's go after church. Let's go before church. And then Edwards says... You know, let's go before church because that's when the fish are biting. And she says, well, I kind of thought we could go to church together. And Uh-oh. he's like, no, dude, I'm not going to church. I don't believe in it. She and gets, she like loses her shit. She gets super judgy. She turns into Caroline. Grace suddenly changes her tune and refuses to go fishing. And there's a look. Okay, here's what I have. There's a look exchanged between them that says, we're not going to do this. This isn't going to happen. And I said, it's the kind of smile when you think someone is hot and then you look at their Facebook page. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, okay. It's not going to happen. I mean, happen. he's like, you're hard to figure out. And it's like, not hard to figure out. She's brainwashed by religion, dude. Mm-hmm, totally. Hard. Edwards very honestly confronts her. I was really, Mr. Edwards is very emotionally mature. I never mm. thought I would say that, but like he immediately says to her, like he doesn't pussyfoot around what is happening. He doesn't subvert the conversation. He just comes right out and says, what difference does it make to you that I'm not a church going man? Well, he's more direct and progressive. Yeah, for sure. He says, I'm the same person I was two weeks ago. Yep. And she Call says, so am I, which that makes no sense. Makes no sense. 
So the next day, Caroline heads to the post office to meet up with Grace, and Grace blows her off. And later that night after dinner, Mr. Edwards is sulking, and Carolyn finally connects the two. Well, I and- feel like Grace was like, why'd you set me up with an atheist? Oh. In a way. Like, she kind of had that look, like, Carolyn, really? Like, thanks. It would be like my friend setting me up with, like, a super religious person. I'd be like, what? Right, are- right. What was that? Like, right. what did you think was going to happen? Right. Yes. So later that night, Mr. Edwards decides he has to sulk in the barn. And of course, Caroline has to stick her nose in. I wrote, this is one of the rare times we see Caroline giving a heart to heart. Do you notice that? Well, Caroline's all like, I got to pry on this because it's my fault. And Charles is like, there's no law against being quiet, which thank you, Charles. Preach it. <laughs> there is no law against being that quiet. That is Jenny's creed. Oh, God. <laughs> the church of being quiet. <laughs> The church of shut the fuck up. (laughs) Um, So Caroline, but we don't see these discussions with her very often. Like Charles is usually the one doing the heart to heart. So she climbs up the barn and she, she talks to Mr. Edwards and they start talking about religion. And Caroline asks Edwards, do you believe in anything? And Edwards says for the win, for the win, Edward says, yes, ma'am, I believe in me. And I wrote, do we have a John Lennon fan on the writing staff? Because that's a John <laughs> Lennon lyric. But he kind of, he says he believes in God, but he's mad at God. I'm like, oh, did he just like, did he just like he, he drift back into agnostic? Yep. He, he backpedals. He so went Edward, to agnostic. Yep. I have no respect for that. So Edward says to Caroline, tell me why God left, let my wife and child die. And Caroline has to think for a minute. And she like, I was waiting for her to say as a test, I was going to, I was like yelling, don't say Mm -hmm. it, Caroline, don't do it. So she's thinking, thinking, thinking. And then all of a sudden, ah, got it. I got it. I got it. What you're doing, Mr. Edwards is punishing God for what happened in the past. And if you're doing that, you won't have any room for what's going to happen in the future. What? So stay in your abusive what? relationship, Mr. Edwards. Now I know why Pa is always the one to go talk to people. Well, and, and you forgot the fact that Edwards is packing to leave town after a two-week relationship. Yes. Yes. But I have to say, I, I kind of feel him here because he's like, I can't stay in this like super religious, no saloon town. I know. Like my lifestyle doesn't fit here. I know. I know. So then in the most disappointing turn of events yet the next morning we're at church and reverend fire and brimstone is going on and on and on and they start to sing and guess who walks in jenny mr edwards in a suit where the hell did he get this cleanly pressed suit i just wrote where'd he get the suit where like was it rolled up in that bag like <sighs> did he just have a suit with them in case I don't know. And he's well-groomed and he's washed, so he must have been in the creek that morning. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And that's the end of the episode. He sits down next to Grace and they do a wide shot and Charles and Caroline are there and they're smiling. And, you know, I realized that this is the assimilation of Edwards and it's really sad and hard to watch. He gave it the peer pressure because he was like that you know, that other voice for an alternative lifestyle. And I was hopeful for him. And now here we are. Don't come to Walnut Grove. They will break you. <laughs> they will break you. You will be in that goddamn church. They will it break took you. so little to break him, though. Well, we to know be, what like, it does. It really did. We know what it care. did. Jen, yeah. Jen, Caroline's prophecy from the pilot has come true. It took the love of a good woman. Oh, God. Now he's sitting in church in a cleanly pressed suit. And Next thing you know, he'll work. be drinking out of a cup. <laughs> keeping his saliva in his mouth. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's the episode. What'd you think of it? Like in terms of on the landscape of Little House on the Prairie. It was not as dramatic as usual. I felt there like there was a lot of like setting up of future things here. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. We brought in Edwards. We brought in the Grace relationship. Like. It kind of like sets the tone for we're going to beat Edward's soul down and make him one with Walnut Grove. It, it was interesting to watch this through this today's lens because it really was like 
they just were like the Borg, right? They just pulled yeah. him in and yep. he assimilated and that was it. And it was yeah, really like it, it's sad. It, it's scary to think that that's, but like that's still the message in the 70s, right? Which is yes. even weirder, I yes. feel like. So at the end of every episode, we're going to look at one aspect or one theme that emerged from this episode that we carried with us for the next 30, 40 years into our lives. So Jenny, what is your why for this episode? So this is why I learned how to play bringing in the sheets on an organ when I was eight. <laughs> it Like it has to be, there's no other explanation because I know how to play that song on an organ and we grew up Catholic and we definitely did not sing that song in church. Like all we sang was like Ave Maria and shit and like in Italian. And I like, where else would I want to play that song? I think it was in one of my little organ books. And I was like, oh my God, I know this song from Little House. There you go. There you go. So Can, you mystery solved. Can you still oh, play that? No. Mystery solved though. Mystery solved. Okay. My why is this taught me that men who drink too much and can't hold a job just need to be rescued from their tragic, painful past. Thanks a lot, Little House. Worked out real well for me. Oh, that's like your whole first marriage. <laughs> that's like my whole existence. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like Edwards a good woman was, can save him. Edwards was this sweet little man who just needed a saving. And 20-year-old Amy would have been right there saving him. I would I have been like, drinking out of his dirty jug and going fishing. I, I feel like we're three episodes in and I'm already seeing how like Little House really fucked you up. It really did. It really did. <laughs> like way more than it fucked me up, I feel like. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Maybe you were just stronger willed than I was. <laughs> I don't know. Like I just absorbed it all. I was like a little sponge. <laughs> oh. I was wow. like, oh, I'm supposed to go to church. Okay. And I did go to church. You didn't you teach like catechism at one okay, point? Okay, here's the story. I taught Sunday school. So when I wanted to get married to my first husband, we were getting married in the church, whatever. I don't want to talk about that. But um, you have to jump through some hoops. Surprise, surprise, because I hadn't been to church in like 10 years. So, of course, they wanted us to do the work, but I ended up doing the work. <laughs> and what I had to do was like go to church, give them money. And I ended up teaching catechism like the the pre- like maybe kindergarten kids. Oof. And I taught it for 12 weeks and I overslept four of those 12 weeks and didn't make it. And the kids were all there just by themselves. Wow. I didn't know about that. <laughs> yes. Nice job. Yes. So <laughs> I like failed. I failed at catechism teaching. I mean, weren't you like 22 at this point or something? Yeah. 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 Yep. Failed. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like how they make you do like community service to be able to get married in the church. I know. Shouldn't the marriage be the community service? Yeah, like I'm doing community would. service. It I'm saving would. the drunk unemployed guy. That's my community service. I'm taking one less Edwards off the road. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Okay. So next we're going to be doing Jenny. Do we know? I think we're going to do that one about when Laura and Mary have a crush on the same guy. The Johnny Johnson one. Again, again with the names. Oh, wait, Jenny, I can't do that because my best friend, Oliver uh, Pear Tree, is coming over and I won't be able to be there. Again, I don't trust your knowledge of historical names in the 1870s <laughs> to make this call. Johnny Johnson, I, I guarantee if you look up death records in the 1870s, there's 85,000 of them. I'm a reliable source here. You can ask my best friend, Sally Microphone. <laughs> all right the name of the episode is for the love of johnny johnston or something like that i didn't make that up mary didn't make that up laura's the one in love with them okay and hey guys if you want to watch along with us we're buying all of these on amazon prime that's where i'm getting them you jay i didn't buy them they just have commercials but yeah i'm not watching the commercials you could pay the $2 and buy Wait, it. I can pay to make the commercials go away? Yes. Why am I not doing that? I don't know. Oh my God. 
Okay. I'm not saying through commercials. But anyway, you know, you can catch them on Amazon Prime or I think you could buy the whole season for like 20 bucks. But, you know, we won't be doing every episode in the season. So, you know, if you're watching it just to follow along with us, you're just going to want to buy the episode. Yeah. We're not so doing John, the season. Johnny, for the love of Johnny Johnson or something. <laughs> it's probably totally the wrong title. Or something but. like that. Pause. Okay, we're back, and it is called, what is it called, Jenny? The Love of Johnny Johnson, which is apparently a fake name, according to Amy. <laughs> it's an easy name. They took the easy way out. I mean, uh... Hi, everyone. Amy here. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate it. If you like what you're hearing, please consider subscribing. You can find Gen X This Is Why on all podcast apps. And if you really, really like what you're hearing, please consider leaving a five-star review. Those reviews help new listeners to find us. And if you can, help spread the word. Jenny needs all the help she can paying those therapy bills. I mean, index cards. Eh, whatever. And you can find us and interact with us on Instagram. Our handle is GenXThisIsWhy. Letter X, spell out the Y. Hope to see you there. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.